0: Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan.
1: Hey, Ryan, how are you today? I'm doing good, Pam. How are you? I'm good. So how comfortable are you with uh, menopause?
0: Oh, well, uh, (laughs) let's see. Um, Yeah, not very.
1: Not very. (laughs) This might be an uncomfortable um, podcast for you, but I'm really excited about it. And I know our listeners will benefit from the information our guest has to offer.
0: Absolutely. You know, whether I'm... Some of our listeners may wonder, where'd Ryan go during this uh, uh, episode? But I'm here. I promise you I'm here. Uh, and we are very excited. You're right. You know, this is one of those things, as we've always said, we want to bring great information to our listeners. We want to bring uh, answers to maybe some of the hard questions, some of the difficult questions that may not get brought up in the physician office. Right. So uh, menopause and uh, symptoms and symptom management. Um, okay that's going to be one of those, right? Right. Quality of life. Absolutely. So I tell you, let's just jump right in, Pam. You know, we're really excited. Uh, We seek out uh, great guests for you guys that are listening, and uh, that is evident by today. Uh, We're super, super excited. Uh, Dr. Teresa Baker is joining us. You know, um, I've heard Dr. Baker several times and uh, seen her on TV, uh, on the news and so forth. But uh, so many of you, if if you don't know her, she's an OBGYN at uh, Texas Tech Physicians here in Amarillo and a professor and program director at Texas Tech University Health Science Center and uh, we are very fortunate to have someone uh, with her expertise and clinical background joining us today dr baker how are you
2: i'm well thank you thank you for having me
0: well good i you know um this is one of those topics i know that you deal with on a a pretty regular basis in, in your clinic and uh with your students and so we're excited to have you impart uh the knowledge that you have with our listeners so it's a very diverse group of folks listening
2: Well, I'm so excited to be here, and I think that the fact that we're going to talk about quality of life is really important because as cancer uh, management goes, we can often beat cancer, but we don't want to um, destroy the lives of the human that we're fighting for. And so the the talk about quality of life and the the talk about saving the, the relationships and the marriages is really important.
0: It is, you know, Pam. I tell you, um, that's some of the things we focus on here, right? Right. The, the, the whole survivor, and we're we're so happy to be able to see life change, right? Uh, when when folks come to the Survivorship Center. So, Doctor Baker, if you would, let's just uh, let's jump in at the very beginning and just talk about kind of normal stages and symptoms of menopause
2: yeah so in a in a, a woman's life that as she's just naturally aging usually women go through menopause about 50 51 that's the national average plus or minus a few years it's best predicted by when your mom went through menopause you can do some things to shorten your menstrual life like smoke tobacco which I hope you don't do Yes. But <laughs> um, there's nothing you can really do to lengthen your menstrual life there's nothing we can do to save you know um, it's a it's an inborn it's a it's a pre-programmed cell death that is when you're born your ovaries know when they're gonna stop producing uh, quality eggs and when that happens um, the first few symptoms that we start to see is hot flashes that's that's one of the most common um, reports and night sweats and um, then some pain with sex because as your estrogen level drops, um, you don't lubricate your vagina as well. So, so pain um, with sexual intercourse happens. And then your periods start to get weird. So you would typically, um, you know, your periods get shorter and shorter and shorter and then you may skip one. And so it may be, you know, a couple of months before you have your next one, and then they'll get shorter and shorter, and you may skip two or three. And once you have not had a period for an entire year, we would consider you in menopause. There's another definition for menopause, and it's a lab value that you can draw, and it's your FSH, your follicle-stimulating hormone, and if that's above 40, you are quote menopausal but mm-hmm. it's really the diagnosis on, is clinical and it's based on when you've last had your period and what your symptoms are
1: i'm thinking man maybe i'm lucky thank god for my mom yeah <laughs> yeah you know and um, hot flashes is um, such a terrible side effect um of menopause is there anything women can do to help with just hot flashes
2: yeah so there's a lot of talk about just um Simple things you can do, like Mm -hmm. wear layered clothing so that when you start having the hot flash, you can just peel off layers to have a fan by your bed that you can turn on when you wake up at 4 a.m. with a hot flash, Um, uh, putting um, cold socks on or some cold compress around your neck. their hot flashes are very bothersome for it's so, it's socially embarrassing because mm. you know you could be in a social situation and all of a sudden you look like a beet and you're sweating and you know it can be really and it can disturb your sleep a lot mm-hmm. and when you wake up two or three times at night or you can't go back to sleep after 4 a.m that starts to impact your mood and the mood swings are directly related to the lack of estrogen and then lack of sleep and you know you can see how it all kind of compounds.
1: It's one of those things you can't live with it. You can't live without it. That's right. (laughs) That's right. So um, hot flashes. And for some of our male listeners out there, um, can we just describe what that feels like for a woman? Um, I know a lot of people describe it like it's just burning from the inside out.
2: Yeah, they'll they'll tell you that they feel like their head is on fire, that they've just, you know, instantly just become this hot box. The strange thing is, if, even though they're beet red and sweating, if you take their temperature, they are a normal temperature. We don't truly understand hot flashes really well yet. We don't really understand. There's a lot of research going on about where in the brain the hot flash is triggered and why. And there's, for hopes, sake. Um, there's, there are hormonal treatments for hot flashes, but now there's a lot of evidence that we may have a non-hormonal uh, medication that's coming on the market soon that will treat hot
0: flashes.
1: Oh, that's promising.
0: Wow, that's really cool because I know uh, that is, as Pam said, that's you know, one of the main symptoms it seems like, but to have something that's non-hormonal to treat that would be like life-changing.
1: Right. The other thing, um, with menopause, um, I always hear osteoporosis. Yes. Why is it that the two are linked together?
2: Okay, so osteoporosis is a problem where your bones thin. And um the number one um agonist at the bone or the number one helpful hormone at the bone level is estrogen. So as estrogen goes away, then you start to break down bone and you don't build bone as efficiently. So most women hit hit their peak bone mass at 30 years old. So you want to do everything you can to build your peak bone at 30 years old and and then after that you start to lose bone if you go into menopause if your estrogen level drops significantly before say 50 Mm -hmm. then you are at significant risk of osteoporosis because you're going to remodel that bone that's a normal process where you break down bone and you've got to rebuild it and if you don't have estrogen there you've missed one of the major building blocks of bone
1: so what can we do to build up our um, greatest bone mass yeah. than before 430
2: so, so it's exercise and calcium and vitamin D. So get outside, walk, you know, do something. The other thing I tell women a lot is think about your upper body because you see a lot of wrist fractures when people fall and put their arm down mm-hmm. to break their fall. Mm-hmm. So do something for your upper body. Women are good at walking or jogging or whatever, but we don't often do a lot of upper body building. Mm-hmm. So even if you did small hand weights and use those while you're walking, that would help. Anything you can do to weight bear on on your um, bony structure, it's going to help to improve your bone mass. And then stay away from things that break down bone. Tobacco breaks down bone, so you don't want to smoke. Sometimes some um, hormonal therapies can, like Depo-Provera, that's a a birth control uh, method that's very good, but it can decrease your bone mass. So the number one Uh, risk factor for osteoporosis is family history of osteoporosis. So if your family is, is predisposed to osteoporosis, if your grandmother had it and your mother had it, then you are at risk of it. So you need to be thinking about bone health very early in your life.
1: So, um, how do you know if you have osteoporosis? What tests do patients get and how often do they get tested?
2: So there's something called a DEXA scan. It's just a, um, a scan and they, they look at your hips and they look at your spine usually. And, mm. and it gives us, you put it in this thing called a FRAX. It's F-R-A-X, you can Google it. It's a It's a calculation tool and it takes into account family history, tobacco use, previous fracture, um, fragility fracture, and your DEXA score to kind of combine, give you how what your lifetime risk of a, of a fracture is and what your 10-year risk of a fracture is. Mm-hmm. And we use that to determine whether you're a candidate for therapy, with, be that estrogen therapy or other therapies. Not, non-estrogen therapies would be like the bisphosphonates or the um, uh, Para- parathyroid hormone, things like that. There's a lot of options. And we've gotten very good at osteoporosis, but the the trick is to catch it before you have the major hip fracture or a, or a fragility fracture. If we can stop that hip fracture from happening, we can significantly improve long-term morbidity, mortality.
1: So how often do um, the normal patients get tested?
2: So it, this has changed significantly in the last few years. Now we do your... Without without risk factors, uh-huh. we would do your first DEXA scan at 65, and then depending on what it says, every three to five years after that, unless you're a candidate for therapy, and then obviously we're going to follow you closer. If you have risk factors, family history, tobacco use, long-term steroids, that type of thing, then we're going to um, do your first DEXA much younger than that.
1: So this is all for the normal person. So um, what happens when we throw cancer into the mix, and how does that affect your body um, getting chemotherapy? Yeah, so
2: there's a lot of, as you all probably know, there's lots of different individualization of cancer therapy. If you happen to have an estrogen receptor positive, um, breast cancer we'll say, then you're probably going to be on some kind of hormonal therapy that's going to um inhibit estrogen and progesterone so you're going to be in either surgical or medical menopause so if we start a medicine that stops your ovaries from producing eggs we have put you into medical menopause if we remove your ovaries we have put you into surgical menopause and at whatever age that is that may determine um, a lot of things for you so now we know if you uh, in, in women in large studies in women that retain their ovaries in a, it without you know cancer or whatever and um, they live longer than women that have had their ovaries removed. And we don't totally understand what that, why that is, but most of us think that those ovaries, even though you've gone through menopause, continue to make some low level of hormone that does things like protect your ovaries. I'm sorry, protect your bone, protect your heart, protect your brain, things that are going to be long-term survival benefits. So um, if we can avoid removing your ovaries, we do that now, um, knowing that survival benefit.
0: Wow, you know... We've, we've talked about this often. The body is such an amazing piece of machinery. It is. I mean, it just, it, it there's things like this as we go through and we talk to guests, Pam, that just makes you just in awe. I mean. It,
2: I agree. And, the, and it's humbling as a physician to realize how little we really understand yet. Yeah. And, and that's, I think we all have to be honest about that. We're just at the tip of the iceberg here trying to understand how
1: our bodies work. Yeah. There's new information out every single day.
0: Oh, yes. I can't imagine trying to keep up with it <laughs> all. Uh, you guys are in a tough a tough spot trying to...
1: Yeah, and I think
2: th- I like how you say that, that um, we're a team with our patients. And what we have to do is be honest about what we know and what we don't know. And then try to just walk down this journey with them.
0: Is there a difference, uh, again, coming from a non-clinical side, is there a difference um, in the side effects of a medically-caused uh, menopause or natural menopause?
2: The only difference, no, the clinical side effects would be very similar. The only difference is if it's a medical, um, for instance, if we start tamoxifen or one of the selective estrogen receptor modulators, once you stop that medicine, your ovaries may come back. So you may have a chance to uh, come back from menopause. Surgical menopause is a, is a right. definitive sure. um
0: no go. No go. You can't come back <laughs> can't from come that. Can't come back from that. So, you know, you say you may come back. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a time frame or is it just kind it's of a roll of the dice?
2: Really a lot of genetic variation and in individualized therapy, depending on what... Um, chemotherapy you received, how long you were on that, where what your age is. So if you were 45 when you started tamoxifen, your chance of having ovarian function after that is probably low. But if you were 25 when you had it, it's very high that your, your um, ovarian function would re- return.
0: And unfortunately, Pam, you know, we're seeing a lot of younger uh-huh. folks here. Um, so I, you know, that's, that may be promising, uh, hope, you know, hopeful that if, if they do want to have children, um, that those, that function will return.
2: Yes. And that science is moving forward rapidly because I think a lot of us realize now people, we can, um, prolong people's life for a long time with the therapies that we have. You know, you are, a, you have been diagnosed with cancer, but it's not, um, a, death sentence for in any way now you're gonna live for a long time so now we're trying to talk about things that'll make that long life be more valuable to you and more livable
1: what happens okay say I'm 35 or 25 and I still want to have a family, but I was recently diagnosed with cancer. What kind of conversations do they need to have with their OBGYN and their oncologist?
2: It's a team approach, obviously, and depending on what the cancer is, you may be more aggressive or less aggressive. But I do think I would encourage women to involve their OBGYN. And if they have interest in having children later or they have not completed their family, to get a reproductive endocrinologist in the loop, because there are lots of options now. We have lots of options. And it, like I said, you know, you're, you're going to live 20, 30, maybe a normal lifespan. Mm-hmm. So you want to think through all your life decisions before you start the therapy, depending on how aggressive the, the cancer is. Unfortunately, when you hear the C word, you know, you're just thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, getting things in order. And I, I need to
1: fight for my life.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, five years down the road, you may think, Oh, man, I wish I would have thought about that before. So I would encourage you to take a breath, talk to your OBGYN, maybe call a reproductive endocrinologist and talk through options so that you are making an informed decision about all all the choices that are in front of you.
1: That informed decision. um, And also... You are in charge. Yes, That's right. It's it, your body. Your
2: body. It's your family. It's your life. At the end of the day, all doctors can do is suggest things, but okay. you're going to make the decision.
0: You know, it goes back to one of our earlier episodes, Pam, where it seems like we're, we're, we're building on a lot of our previous episodes, <laughs> which is so unique and so cool. So if you
1: haven't listened, you need to go yes, back. Yes, you listen. need to go
0: back. It's the one that's titled, you know, Doctor. Can we talk? Right. And if you remember, and in those that are maybe listening, I'm I'm hoping uh, you're nodding your heads. That said, uh, our, our social worker that that spoke on that said, you are a consumer, and it's okay to ask questions of your doctor. And
2: Absolutely. And if your doctor is, is resistant to that, find a new one.
0: Yes. Now and it's and coming
1: from a physician. Coming from a physician.
0: You know, that's welcoming because I know um, sometimes we, we, we look at physicians differently, um, but you know, they're very smart and they're very helpful. Um, but ultimately it comes back to the consumer as she suggested previously, you know, you when you look for something and you can't find it at the store, you're going to ask. That's absolutely and if right. they don't have it, you're going to go somewhere else right? and find it there.
2: Boy, I would empower women to find a physician that will listen because your decisions are huge decisions. And some of them we can go back on and some of them we can't, but you need all the information,
0: right? And you're your best advocate. That that's the that's the bottom line. Wow. You know, I think too. Uh, talking about um, post chemo menopause and these symptoms and and working through that, um, it's interesting because you know, this whole theory or talking of multidisciplinary has been around for just the last probably 10 years or so, We're having the multidisciplinary approach. And that's what you're talking about with a reproductive endocrinologist. Is there, for maybe our listeners who may be local, are there local reproductive endocrinologists here in Amarillo?
2: Yes. Dr. Robert Kaufman is our, our best, um, Reproductive endocrinologist. Now he's my boss. So I, I, <laughs> he, he has um, to be the best. Right? He, is the best. <laughs> he is. He's very educated on this subject, um, and would be extremely helpful for anybody that was dealing with this.
0: Good. That's good to know that we actually have good uh, resources, great resources here in uh, the Texas Panhandle.
2: And in Lubbock at Tech, there's Jennifer Phi Phy. She's a wonderful reproductive endocrinologist as well.
1: Are those appointments hard to get?
2: Oh, sometimes I would say two or three months out. But if you called and you said, I'm trying to make decisions based on a cancer diagnosis, they would get you in faster. I mean, we are in, um, we are altruistic at heart sure. and empathetic about anybody who's received a cancer diagnosis I, it's life-changing and we want to help so you just have to again be your own advocate and say listen I've got to make some really tough decisions in the next few weeks is there any way I could get in to talk to him even a phone consult would be okay because you just need to talk to him
1: about what the
2: options are
1: these are important decisions to make prior to starting chemo yes so um, is symptoms for younger people going um let's say our 25 year old um completed treatment menopause symptoms are they harder on them or you
2: know what i hear the most is uh, that the pain with intercourse is harder on them because they have young marriages mm-hmm. um and you know, intercourse is important in a marriage. It's, right. it's one of the ways we communicate with our partner. And it's, intimacy is important in a, in a woman's life. It's, some, it's a part of her that defines her in some way. And to lose that at, at a young age can be very emotional and very difficult on marriages. So what I often hear from young women is, great, we killed the cancer, but we've destroyed my marriage. And, you know, my husband's left, and I can't tolerate sex, and it's torn our family apart. That yeah. is a tragedy i mean that you know i've had one say why did we why did we go through this if it was going to destroy my life and I, that we we can do better than that
1: and by better what can we do to help those patients
2: there's lots of options that can we can i'm not saying we can make sex fabulous Mm -hmm. but maybe we can make it less painful so Mm -hmm. that the the relationship can survive it and most husbands that are going through this are so willing to listen and you know help being helpful but you know um you can edit this out if you want to but um if we take there's there's big studies that if we take men and women and ask them why they're in committed relationships if sex makes the top 10 for a woman it's a really good day Uh you know it just isn't way up there on the list if we ask men Intercourse is like number one, two, and three most days of the week. Uh-huh. And that's just testosterone. That's just the way they're biologically built. And the other thing we know is that men gauge the health of the relationship often based on intercourse. So we're really impacting the whole relationship here. And it's about communication. It's about lubrication. Sometimes it's about vaginal estrogen. Sometimes it's about dilators that help her vagina stay in a position where it can it can tolerate sexual function, but it's just about communication, communication, communication with your partner and your physician.
1: And that's sometimes hard whenever you feel guilty because you can't perform interco- intercourse because it hurts. Well, in um,
2: both sides of it, then the husband feels guilty cuz he wants to have intercourse, but it's it's natural. It's why, you know, it's part of the reason you're married. Right. So, we just need to get on the same page and talk through options. There's usually a way to get people to a point where they can at least tolerate intercourse.
1: So, do we talk to our oncologists? Do we talk to our OBGYN, or do we talk to both and make a? Yeah. Uh,
2: I, this is t- tough because the oncologists, and I love them, but they are built to try to kill the cancer. So anything that's going to increase recurrence even by a percentage point they're going to be against. Your OBGYN is going to hear it in reverse. They're going to think how can I how can I make this more livable for this woman and do things like offer vaginal estrogen therapy even though, you know, it may increase your recurrence risk by a, a, you know, 1 percentage point if it helps you live through this. If it helps your marriage, I'm going to advocate for that. The oncologist is going to say, don't do it. But in the end, it's your decision, what you decide to do. And maybe we use a smaller amount. Maybe we use it, you know, in moderation. Maybe we do other, try other things. But I do think um, you may find times where you are between doctor's opinions. And that's when you've got to be your own decision-maker right. with, with your family.
0: That's right.
1: And that's where um, a lot of people want to go to Google for their third doctor.
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> Dr. <What>? Google. <laughs> we should uh, we should do an, a whole episode had, on Dr. <laughs> Google sometime. Oh, gosh. I You know, <laughs> uh, actually, no, we probably won't. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, this is so important. Um, and to hear you discuss this, Dr. Baker, you know, it, it really just screams, help, you know, there, there are options and that's the key word, right? Options. It's, it's not that this is your only choice is to suffer. Um, you know, you've beat cancer, you you've gone through that. Um, and, and I know Pam, we've seen it here at the center and, and, and heard anecdotal stories of, you know, had I known what would happen when I went through treatment, whether it's a side effect, like a peripheral neuropathy, or in this case, you know, unable to have sex pleasurably, it, I, may, I may not have gone through my treatment. Right. And that that just tears me up.
1: The hard decision that they have to make and a fast decision that they have to make because treatment yeah. has to be started.
2: They feel like they're really under the gun, but I would encourage all of your listeners to reach out. Talk to other, other groups of physicians that may have a differing opinion before you make any
1: definitive di- decisions be your own advocate. That's right. Yeah. So, um lifestyle changes. I know we hit on those a little bit, but um for those that are medically induced uh, menopause, is there anything that they can do to help? Yeah, so there's
2: this? some easy things. There's mm-hmm. some low hanging fruit um, mm-hmm. that people hate to hear about, but coffee, caffeine is uh, not gonna help you with mm-hmm. um, with hot flashes. Alcohol is not gonna help you. Tobacco smoke is not gonna help you. So there's some simple things. Um, exercise, uh, weight loss will help.
1: Is there certain exercises that are better for? Or hot flashes?
2: Well, there's a lot of um, talk about yoga and meditative um, things that you can do to control heart rate, control uh, breath, control thought that um, will help you tolerate the hot flashes and the, the menopausal symptoms better.
1: What about water?
2: Water's good. Uh, water's good. It's <laughs> oh, good for everything. Pam, don't,
0: don't we have yoga classes here?
1: We do have yoga.
0: And I, think we have some water exercise classes as well.
1: That's right. And how much are they?
0: (laughs) Oh, they are absolutely free. That's the cool thing. Yes. 100% free. You know, the other thing too, for our listeners who maybe say, oh, but I don't have time to go and that's in the morning or that's, you know, at noon and I work, we've got a ton of those classes that are recorded and they can get to them straight from our our website, 24survivorship.org. Do them Mm -hmm. on demand. You know, it's like having that Peloton bike or having that whatever, you know, you the mirror thing that you see advertised. You've got uh, probably 140, 150 or so classes of varying difficulties from a balance class all the way to cardio
1: meditation uh,
0: and meditation yeah. online. And those things are free.
2: That's wonderful, and cognitive behavioral therapy has been a big talk. Um, That's all about breath control and thought control. And I I'll um, put a plug in for that. Like sleep is difficult for a lot of people, but there's some cognitive behavioral therapies that are really helpful. um, With with um, it, an app you can download for free. I mean, right. it's simple, and it's something absolutely what you said you can do from your home and at the appropriate time because at 4 a.m. you probably don't have in, in-house uh, meditative <laughs> sessions, but you're staring at your ceiling wondering you know, how you can get back to sleep, so I would encourage women to look into that.
1: There's a lot of options. You don't have to suffer. And um, Make sure you talk to your doctors.
0: Yeah, you know... I, I, I've heard it before, but my doctor saved my life, and I don't want to bother them. You mm-hmm. need to ask Reach the out. questions and get the answers you're you're needing. Right. You know, if you're if you're looking for a specific answer, you may not find that. But it's okay to continue to ask questions. Agreed. Right. Oh gosh, you know, I tell you, um, this has been one of those things that, um, from a non-clinical standpoint, it's been very educational. Um, is there anything else that, that our listeners need to know um, about other options or other uh, things to seek out or questions that maybe they need to ask?
2: I just want um, your listeners to be hopeful because they really are working on therapies that we could all be in, in favor of, like the non-hormonal therapies. And I think it's we're on the verge of them. They're in front of the FDA trying to get approval. So have hope. I mean, th- there are things coming down the pipeline all the time we're getting better at this every day the individual therapy the gene therapy everything you know we're getting better and there's a lot of research going into this and i just you know i encourage them to keep moving forward and have hope that we'll get we'll get it better at this
0: i agree yeah
1: hope costs nothing
0: and hope is so valuable That's right. it's so valuable dr baker where if if some of our listeners today are you uh, saying i don't have a doctor i need how can they find you or how can they get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, the, uh, just Google. Google. As
0: you
1: say. <laughs> <laughs> this is a time we give you permission we, we, to it Google. It
0: is okay. <laughs> Let everyone understand it. it is okay to Google to try to locate yes. and find Dr. Teresa Baker. Yeah,
2: the number is 414 both Dr. Kaufman and myself. Um, that's our front desk. Um, and there's we have lots of new physicians there, too, that would love to help. Sure
0: absolutely and you know that's that's a beauty that we have here in in town is a teaching institution like tech um you know it's, there's so much great education that goes on there and and the um the turning out of new physicians um it, it's so amazing what goes in the subspecialties that are there like to have a, a reproductive endocrinologist we're very lucky yes, i didn't we know don't. we even had one you, I, I did not learn something <laughs> he's
2: one of the smartest men i've ever worked with he I think he could write the book. He's a very well-versed physician, and he could help.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Um, Dr. Baker, we always like to leave our guests with a Pete's Powerful Moment. We are sponsored by Pete's CarSmart Kia. Do you have a um, powerful moment in the topic that you've talked about today? Maybe with one of your patients, something that you've really changed their lives. I know you probably have a million.
2: You know, I... Um what I would say is one of the most powerful things that I've been a part of is a childbirth after a breast cancer diagnosis and um seeing that woman hold that child and have hope that she would be there for the rest of that child's life was a very powerful moment.
1: Oh yeah. There's nothing like life that can bring you hope.
0: That's right. Oh gosh. I just got chills. <laughs> I need you a know? tissue, please. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. it's that's yeah, that's so powerful. Thank you, Dr. Baker, for joining us today. Thank you for sharing uh, hope and and edu- good educational material with our listeners today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: It's been a pleasure. I tell you, uh, Pam, I, I, never, I never am ceased to be amazed at our guests.
1: That's right. We never know what we're gonna learn, and I know we always learn something, so I hope our guests, or our listeners, um, have learned something. If you have any questions, Ron, where can they get a hold of
0: us? Yeah, give us a call. You know, that's the simplest thing is just give us a call here at the Survivorship Center at area code eight zero six three three one two four zero zero. And we mentioned our website earlier. There's a lot of information on there about our classes, our activities. Um, you know ways you can get in touch. If you need to speak with one of our counselors, we have two amazing license uh, licensed professional counselors that we work with. Um, you know we can get you in with one of those. We can help facilitate. We don't we don't give you you know here's where you go and here's what you do or you need this. We are here for options, as Doctor Baker said. We 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 always always refer you back to uh, your medical professional or you know we we don't we don't treat that here. Right. So.
1: And another thing, if you want to like, subscribe, hit all the buttons, as Ron says, um, we would love you uh, to do that. Um, Leave a comment. If you have any episodes that you would like us to record, please um, get a hold of us. Absolutely. yeah, we're, we're open uh, book here. They,
0: you better believe it. You know, we're always looking for great guests. We're always looking for new topics. And, and uh, you know, with a weekly podcast, Pam, it, it keeps us going. And uh, yeah, absolutely. If there's something you want to hear, like I have a question about hit us up. Let us know. Definitely leave us a review. Share this podcast. This is today's podcast is one I think that so many people can benefit from.
1: Not just a cancer survivor. Not just
0: a cancer survivor. That's right. That's right. Thank you guys for joining us for this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. And uh, we look forward to next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again. And we'll be back next week.